0818-715-815. Hello, good afternoon, and you're very welcome to Liveline. Bizarrely, just as the news has been announced of the death and already a number of um, uh, leaders in Eastern Europe are calling it the murder of the uh, Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny. As you know, he was he has died in prison in Siberia. He was 47 years of age. He, he survived a previous attempt by Putin to poison him. He was a leader of the opposition in Russia for a number of years in 2010 until basically uh, Putin put him in prison, trumped up charges. His family were harassed, followed non-stop, including when he was in a hospital. Um, and uh, the penitentiary system uh, have announced that uh, he died uh, in prison. Um, Jan Stoltenberg, as you know, of NATO said we need to establish all the facts Russia needs to answer all the serious questions, two chances, about the circumstances of his death. British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak said it was terrible news. Navalny Navalny demonstrated incredible courage. The uh, Prime Minister of Latvia accused Mr Putin's regime of torturing to death one of the last symbols of democracy in Russia. The world has lost a fighter whose courage will echo through generations. I am horrified by the death of Sakharov Prize laureate uh, Alexei Navalny. Russia took his freedom, his life, but not his dignity. His struggle for democracy lives on. And the list of um, of uh, world leaders who are now just openly saying this is uh, the murder of uh, the leader of the opposition in uh, Russia, and including, obviously, Zelensky uh, calling it for he says what it is. But uh, bizarrely, when that was being announced, I got a, an email <coughs> from the group uh, outside the Russian embassy in Dublin. They've been there, <coughs> excuse me, uh, for two years. They'll be there two years beginning next Saturday week because next Saturday week is the second anniversary of the invasion of Ukraine. So we'll talk to somebody outside the embassy in a few minutes. Uh, let's go back to taxrebate.ie. This is a very serious issue. The revenue commissioners have serious questions to answer, which they will not answer. And the question is, it's come up again and again as we covered this issue in the last 10 days as we've tried to get an answer from taxrebate.ie and if you google tax rebate or i want to rebate from that's this is the first company that comes up taxrebate.ie they've a a virtual office so to speak a post box in mahan and county cork we've written to that a number of times people have visited there's nothing there no human there um they have a a, a, a uk presence uh, but the the most consistent call we've had is people who are being contacted by revenue when they go to get their money back to say your agent your agent has already been on and we have given the refund to them and the agent is taxrebate.ie and consistently our callers have no idea how this agent this company we're still asking trying to find out will they give us a spokesperson we're trying to find out how this company got their details their IBAN details their PPS details because time after time our listeners are denying they had any relationship with taxrebate.ie the refund revenue give the refund to taxrebate.ie and taxrebate then say to you you supply us even though they already have you supply us with all your details um, and letters from the bank with your identity. And if that's all sorted within six months, we'll give you your rebate less 30%, less 
30%. If it's not sorted out within six months, we'll keep... This is true. We will keep your rebate. This is what tax rebate, um, the tax rebate.ie are actually saying. And now, uh, uh, now obviously we have to investigate all the cases, but there is a consistency here. One caller is telling us that she didn't apply for a tax rebate at all, at all. Um, tax rebate.ie got a rebate on her... Uh, tax rebate... .ie on her behalf, Maria submitted a claim uh, including tax relief for rentals, which she does not have. And now Revenue are looking for that rebate back off her, but she never got it. Taxrebate.ie, please contact us. Breege, good afternoon. And, and Breege, I understand, like so many people on this issue, people are nervous and, and upset. What, what happened in your case, Breege? Um, I got a letter in December, sorry, in January mm-hmm. uh, 24, with um, confirming with me that my recent request to alter details of a financial institution for repayments or refunds. Um, the account holder name was online tax rebate. Yeah, that's them, yeah. The, yeah, and the IBAN started with a BE. Mm-hmm. And I got very suspicious and I rang Revenue and um, they said it was a separate company and they really weren't able to help me mm-hmm. and to contact the company. So I looked up online, um, put in online tax rebate and I was redirected to another company that were a separate company and mm-hmm. didn't have my name on the records. So I retrieved a second letter that I got in 2022 and it had the exact same name and IBAN on it. Now, when I looked up the IBAN, it said Belgium. Wow. So I really didn't know what to do then. I was going to write a letter to Revenue because in December 22, I was able to change that record back to my own bank okay. details. But now, my husband and I are jointly assessed, uh-huh. and we have a, an accountant representing us. And I rang them, and they said, no, it's nothing to do with us, and I can't see why you have that letter. Yeah. That's very interesting, and et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know whether that company has received money on my behalf mm-hmm. um, that I probably would get directly paid into my bank account, which has happened before with revenue. Can't remember when, but okay. it did happen. So I really don't know where to go from here or what the story is. Okay, now... Revenue have questions to answer here. The the the, 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 the taxpayer, the, ta- the the revenue commissioners have questions to answer here. They're not inclined to answer them for us, but maybe some politician will ask. What in the name of all that is financially sound is the Irish revenue commissioners accepting letters from this third party taxrebate.ie? And mm. when they also go by the name of Online Tax Rebate Services Limited. They're the same company, mm. same company number. What is revenue doing? Irish revenue, just accepting 
this documentation or whatever they get from this company, taxrebate.ie, and repaying them money that's owed to Irish taxpayers, to a Belgian mm-hmm. bank account, mm-hmm. to a Belgian. Now, have you any recollection, Breed, of signing up with this crowd, taxrebate.ie? None whatsoever. And in fact, I was re-registered. The Revenue Commissioner told me I was re-registered for that company for my tax rebate on the 6th of January this year. And when they say re-register, what information, what information of yours was supplied by this company, taxrebate.ie, to uh, the Irish Revenue Commissioners to allow them to do I, this? I, I have no answer to that, Joe. I don't know what information they got, but um, they must have got a fair amount in order to intervene with my mm-hmm. uh, repayments or refunds did you, um, did you, and for the revenue to collect. Okay, and did you, which which is, is remiss of the Revenue Commissioners if they're not doing it, when this company, taxrebate.ie, also known as Online Tax Rebate Service, you can see how they're forced to come up when you put in tax rebate. They've, man- mm-hmm. they've managed to, I presume you pay for that listing to come up first on Google or whatever. Um, at any stage, did the Revenue Commissioners contact you and say, Breach at your address, which they have, would you like to confirm that taxrebate.ie are now your agents? I've no recollection yeah. of a letter like that, Joe. Um, certainly I didn't get one this time um, from the letter that is dated the 24th of January this year. Um, this is the first I knew of this again, but I knew I had another letter going back a year or two, and I was able to retrieve it with the same information on yeah. it. So there is a consistency yeah. to all yeah. the stories we're hearing about taxrebate.ie. Mm. The, the consistency is almost everybody, without exception, has no idea how they got their details, their IBAN, no. their PPS numbers, and are submitting mm. them. Two, revenue... When they get this letter from this company called Tax Rebate, which, which Revenue have got communication about, we know from some of our callers, they do not make any effort whatsoever to contact the, the taxpayer, the citizen who is funding the state, who's funding Revenue, among others, uh, with their hard-earned money and their, their, their tax. They do not make any effort whatsoever to write to you just a simple, a simple letter. Will you confirm, obviously, to your address, which is critical, your mm. your postal address? Will you confirm that taxrebate.ie now represent you? They are now your agents. No mm. one, has, no. no one has got such a communication. And then when you get on to revenue to say, who have you given my legitimate rebate to? They say we give it to this crowd called taxrebate.ie, mm. and people are saying, who are they? Mm. Where are the alarm yeah. bells and revenue? Yeah. But, you know, um, to be told by that state company revenue that it has nothing to do with them, it's a separate company. Mm-hmm. You're, you're left in limbo because where do you go from there? They said, oh, you have to write a letter to them and... Um, season their contract with you. But you, have no, um, but you have no contract with them. I never signed a contract. Did you? No, I said that. I, I can't remember what that person said back to me when I said, is it an automatic si- signature or an actual signature? Okay. And I can't remember 
what they said to me because I was totally kind of um, taken back and shocked and worried that this online tax rebate was possibly going to get refunds from my revenue account of mm-hmm. of money I was owed, you know. And revenue, as they told us again, and I'm, I'm, I'm sick of repeating it, and revenue should should uh, big up and come on and talk about this. And revenue have a role in all of this. And revenue should not be washing their hands of this. They Because they're dealing with this company. They're dealing mm. with a Belgian IBAN number for Irish taxpayers. For mm. Irish taxpayers. They give out the taxation identification number. They give them out. But then that's the end of it as far as revenue concerned. They have no regulation. Mm. And until people start ringing saying, who is taxrebate.ie? Who are they? We can't mm. find I can't find them. Mm. We can't find them. Tara, who's been working on this almost full time for two weeks, can't find them. No. We, we've had people call up to the office in Man County Cork. There's no one there. We've tried to contact mm. their, their so-called parent company, online tax rebate uh, services, that we can't get a response for them. But they seem to have managed, they've managed to set up this relationship with the Irish Revenue Commissioners, where, mm. they, where they, for some... Fair means, I presume, though I have, we've heard the exact opposite. But by fair means, they get they say we are representing all these Irish taxpayers. Yeah. And there's no alarm bells ringing in revenue. No alarm bells ringing in the Department of Finance. Saying that Irish taxpayers who we cherish and wouldn't the, the, the state wouldn't exist without them, couldn't exist. Couldn't exist. Mm. There'd be no one flying anywhere uh, and to the 46 locations on St. Patrick's Day without your money uh, and taxpayers' money pay- paying for it, etc., etc. Schools, fire service, health, education, it goes on. Every single thing in the country. Um, mm. And revenue just saying, no, no, nothing to do with us. Nothing to do yeah. with us. Yeah. I reiterate what you said. And the very frightening part is... Where did they get all my personal details, that's my all, PPS number yeah, and all of that to do the, this? Exactly, Breed. It is shocking. And mm. it's shocking that we cannot get an answer. We mm. cannot get an answer from mm. uh, taxrebate.ie um, mm. as, as to how they're getting all this information and then how revenue, the Irish revenue commissioners, are dealing with this company and no alarm bells have, have uh, gone off in the massive uh, empire that is the revenue commissioner saying mm. does that does any does anyone listen well they, even if they don't listen we um we, we sent so many emails and all they send us back is emails saying that the agent representing that person was got now they won't do with deal with individual people obviously but they say tax rebate dot is is a, a registered online a registered tax rebate service a register with us we don't once they register with us We've nothing. We've nothing more to do with them except give them your money. Exactly, exactly. Bridge like I'm supposed to. Have, I'm supposed to have signed a document on the sixth of January this year. Yeah. Now that's not that far gone. Okay. But I, I have. I have no recollection okay. of doing that. Okay. Have you any idea where you were on the sixth of January? <laughs> do you follow me? I, yeah, I no, could no, have been you, anywhere. I know. Yeah, but you, but you wouldn't. You did not sign anything on the sixth of January. No, not okay. that I can recall. Yeah. Okay, Bridget, very good. And the other thing as well is, I'm, I'm, I'd say it. I'd say it straight to people now, and I know I'll get into trouble for this. If you, 
you, you must contact the revenue commissioners and you must say to them, if, if uh, taxrebate.ie are representing me, and as you said, I want to know how, they, how, that, uh, how that is accepted by revenue. I want to know mm. how that is. And then if people are Googling at the minute, until we get information from taxrebate.ie and online tax rebate services limited, mm. I'd be very cautious about having any dealings with them. Um, mm. Until we until we get answers and other people get answers, Bridge, uh, you're 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 very good. And I really remember you're sa- you're saving people money. I know you you they they've intervened so to speak on your behalf and revenue have accepted that. But I think by alerting people, you're saving you're saving people money. But again, every single caller, like you said, Bridge, brings up another question that this company and the revenue commissioners have to answer. And uh, as I say, neither are forthcoming at this stage. Bridge, uh, thanks a million. Joe at RT.ie. Thank you, Bridge. Joe at RT.ie, if you have anything on taxrebate.ie. And 51551 is the text number. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. I mentioned earlier, um, it's two years uh, tomorrow week since a group of Irish people every single day they've stood outside the Irish, the Russian embassy uh, in Ratgar in Dublin and one of the people who's been there almost every single day bar I presume uh, uh, forced communion or a bird whatever is John Farrelly John good afternoon good afternoon Joe how are you doing good you're st- the, the protesters are still there every single day yeah, we've been there for the last two years and uh, there's no sign of it finishing, obviously. As long as the war goes on, we'll be outside. Okay. When, did you, when, did, when did you hear about the, the death of Alexei Navalny, the leader of the opposition in Russia, 47 years of age, in a prison on trumped-up charges in uh, Siberia, second attempt to kill him? This one obviously worked. When did you hear that news, John? I heard it a few hours ago, um, and just to say that last night we had an event in Hodges Figures to, yeah. to celebrate the, the, the second anniversary of the uh, two years of peaceful protest. But I suppose the first thing to say about uh, Navalny is that he was a very, very brave man. I remember mm. watching the uh, the video we made on mm. his return to Moscow, and uh, very, very insightful. And obviously he knew I, I, in some way what he was returning to, because... You don't cross Mr. Putin without yeah, consequences. Yeah. And and he tried to poison him before with Novichok, as we yeah. know, which is Putin's poison of choice. Yeah. Um, John, in terms of the, the Russian embassy in Dublin, there was a report in the Sunday Times that the number of diplomats is gradually reducing by attrition. In other words, those who return home the Department of Foreign Affairs are not issuing new visas for replacements. Is that true, do you know? Yes, and we were very, very heartened by that effort by the Department of Foreign Affairs. The numbers that was being quoted were, it was down from 30 to 14. That meant 16 had, you know, not been renewed, which is fantastic. And we have noticed a change in personnel because as we protest outside the embassy, the staff come and go in their stretch limos, Mercs and BMWs mm-hmm. and so forth. And uh, you can see a change in the lineup. And I think some of them, maybe Verticomas, are overworked because they have to do some more uh, of their particular work. And just to say, some of the people who drive in and out, if they are uh, diplomats, I'm a brain surgeon because obviously it's not the case. 
How do you know that, Sean? Well, just by the physical build and sometimes the okay. stairs and some, sometimes the hand gestures, which can be one finger or two finger. Okay. And that is, it, there's evidence of that the actual Irish Independent captured that on video and it was on their website. Navalny recently sent a message to his wife on Valentine's Day. And he said, they've been married 25 years. He said, we may be separated by blue blizzards and thousands of kilometres, but I feel that you are near me every second and I will keep loving you even more. Well, he's he's now deceased. They have two children, Daria and Zaka, and I've heard uh, a TED Talk, actually, by, I think it was Daria, a powerful piece about her father and what he's gone through, um, what he's gone through in, in because he led the protest under 12 years ago when they first started against uh, Putin, and in many ways he was the alarm bell to let the West know, which the West ignored, of course, that Putin... Uh, 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 Exactly. And I was listening to uh, Luke Harding, the Guardian correspondent this morning, who described him as a patriot uh, and a Democrat, because, you know, Navalny believed in Russia. He was proud of being Russian, but obviously not under the Putin regime. And uh, it's just another indication of the suppression of democracy and dissent in Russia that the leader of the opposition, as you say, up on trumped-up charges, can die in, in prison in, in the care of the state, fair to commas. Uh, so, like, our protest is to, to support people mm-hmm. in Ukraine, obviously, it's to, to, um, and also to support Russian people who know the war is wrong but can't demonstrate that. So we, we have a privilege in our country that we can demonstrate and that we can protest and we bring the, that message home every day to the, the Russian embassy. And the conditions that Naval, Navalny were in, go back to Solzhenitsyn at this stage, um, it's called high, it's a high security, this is where he died, we're told he died. Um, well, he's dead, but he, mm-hmm. we aren't told the circumstances. Mm-hmm. A lot of leaders of the West, including Latvia, which are uh, which are a neighbour of Russia and are un- under severe threat from Russia, they're saying he was murdered and tortured. He was in the high-security Polar Wolf prison near the Arctic Circle. Um, the conditions are notoriously brutal. The prisoners spend winter in perpetual darkness and extreme cold, with temperatures dropping to minus 42 degrees centigrade. Activists have reported that inmates are forced to assemble in the courtyard and are doused with water and sometimes placed in an outdoor cage overnight. Navalny was seen in a video shortly after he arrived at the prison wearing a black prison uniform and looking gaunt. And remember, as you know, John, one of the things about um, Navalny is his good humour through all of this. This This is what he said. I get two mugs. Uh, this is his daily. I get two mugs of boiling water and two pieces of disgusting bread. I want to drink this boiling water normally and eat this bread. I have 10 minutes to eat and I am forced to choke on this boiling water, believe it or not. Um, and and, 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 yeah, go ahead, John. And I, I suppose it, what you're describing, it was captured in, in Solzhenitsyn, a day in the life of, yeah. of, of Denisovich, Ivan Denisovich. And that, that sense of complete removal right up to the Arctic Circle in a gulag, in a concentration camp, in horrible conditions. Now, even if Putin and Azaki say, well, we didn't kill Navalny, 
the conditions that they put him in yeah. killed killed that brave man, and that's that's the truth of the matter. And he, uh, uh, as recently as a year ago, uh, one of Navalny's friends said um, he is being uh, he was also was press officer. He is being Navalny, Alexei Navalny is being slowly murdered by Putin and uh, tortured, and he would torture him as long as possible. But his torture is over, unfortunately, and his life is over. Um, how in the two years that the protesters have been there, John, every single day, has it and, and I, I, I presume people who are of su- such a, uh, a progressive disposition uh, to stand outside in all weathers outside the the, the the Russian embassy in Dublin also would have been affected by what happened on October the 7th and then the, the reaction of the Israelis. But has that waned, has that diluted your protest, John, in any way? No, because there's a core group of us of about 50 okay. people and from a, a wide range of backgrounds, like former civil servants, council workers, air, air crew people, people in management positions. So it's a very, very mixed and diverse and inclusive group. But we have con- c- continued that, that core group of 50 or so. And as I said, we had an event last night in, in Hodges, yeah. and we were joined by the Ukrainian ambassador and the Lithuanian ambassador. And it was striking to hear both of them talk about the democracy that we, we enjoy in this country. Mm. And also the Lithuanian ambassador, in very vivid terms, describing the fear and concern that, that their country and the countries, the Baltic countries, have about the expansionism of Putin. And that is something that we have to rise up. And Navalny's death is a wake-up call again, is that... Even though there may be talks, there may be discussion about peace talks, that the person you're dealing with in the form of uh, Putin, you can't really believe anything uh, he yeah. says. As one of the as one of the posters uh, have outside the, the embassy was, wait until the Russians deny it and then believe the opposite. Well, they're denying this already. Uh, the French government are saying Navalny has paid with his life for his resistance to a system of oppression. That's pretty strong. Uh, yes. they, they added that the opposition leader's death reminded the world of the reality of Vladimir Putin's uh, regime. If you recall, Joe, at the beginning of the war, there was a massive protest, in the, particularly in the cities in, in Russia. But that isn't the case anymore because dissent has been stamped out. Yeah, yeah. And Neil Robinson is Professor of course, say what is John, Professor of Comparative yeah. Politics, University of Limerick. Neil, what's your what's your read on, on this latest? It seems if the French government, the Latvian government, Zelensky obviously, um even Rishi Sunak, there some of the governments are saying quite clearly Putin has killed the, the leader of the opposition. Others have been a bit more circumspect, including Stoltenberg. What frame would you put on this, Neil? Well, I mean, I think he's effectively killed him. Um, obviously, he poisoned, tried to kill him by poison. Um, it was, you know, that was an official operation. It was uncovered by Navalny himself and uh, uh, the Bell and the Cat um, organization. Um, his imprisonment, his treatment in prison um, uh, clearly weakened him, um, even mm-hmm. though he was on a video call yesterday uh, and, you know, sort of 
didn't look immediately ill. Okay. He was gaunt, pale, frailer than he was. I mean, this was a very mm-hmm. active, fit man. Um, you know, sort of, he was a he was a runner. Um, so yeah, they've they've not killed him by shooting him, but they've killed him by um, neglect, weakening him. Uh, you know, sort of. Probably needed further medical treatment after the poisoning, but yeah. he went back to Russia. And, and Russian places, the Russian prisons are deadly places. We shouldn't forget that. You know, illness is rife within them. Yeah. Um, the medical care is poor. The diet is poor. Um, so you know, he's been killed by uh, indirectly by Putin. And uh, will it change anything, Neil? His death. Uh, Will it change, for example, will it change anything? You, you, you know the, the debate in the United States, especially at the minute. Will it change anything there? Not particularly. It might yeah. change the domestic debate uh, about whether or not um, the United States supplies aid to Ukraine. Um, mm-hmm. it, it might, you know, sort of tip the balance there. But obviously, you know, sort of Biden many years ago said that, uh, to Putin that if Navalny died in jail, there would be consequences. But it's hard to see what additional consequences they would pile onto Russia at the present point in time, because, of course, uh, sanctions, um, uh, etc., are in place because of the war in Ukraine. So it's probably not going to change a great deal. Um, but if it, you know, sort of persuades some of the Republicans to pull their mm-hmm. horns in, over support for Ukraine, that would be a good thing. And I see the Canadian Foreign Minister in the last few minutes, it says, uh, Alexei Navalny's death, Neil, is a painful reminder of Putin's continued oppressive regime. Now, it would be interesting if we heard some of that from south of the Canadian border. We will hear from Biden, but whether we'll hear from anyone across the aisle. Alexei Navalny's mother said she was alive, well, healthy and happy. Sorry, he was alive, healthy and happy when I saw him on Monday. So, and you say you saw, he, you saw a video link with him yesterday. Yeah, he was, uh, he had another court appearance um, by video link uh, uh, between uh, the harp where he was uh, in prison and, and Moscow. Um, uh, and he was, you know, he, he was alive. Um, mm. you know, he was, he was, he didn't look great, but then, you know, sort of if you're in a prison camp 40 miles from yeah. the Arctic Circle, uh, you know, you're, you're not going to look good in the middle of the winter. Um, but he was alive. He was well. On he on Valentine's Day, he he put out a very um, romantic uh, message to his wife. Um, uh, you know, he's uh, uh, very very much a family man. Very attached mm-hmm. to his wife Julia and his his children. Um, so yeah, he was you know functioning clearly. Um, uh, so his death is a is a is a total surprise and shock. And his his wife uh, Julia. Neil has just arrived at the Munich Security Conference and she said uh, Vladimir Putin is personally liable for all the horrible things they are doing to my country. She's going to speak apparently at at length now in a few minutes. Uh, The UK Foreign Secretary David Cameron has said 30 minutes ago uh, Vladimir Putin should be accountable for Alexei Navalny's death, saying the Russian state under Putin fabricated charges against him, poisoned him and sent him to an Arctic uh, penal colony. So this this is regardless of whether it changed anything the states, which is critical at the minute in terms of the aid package, um, it is definitely going to up the temperature in Europe. Yes, I mean, I, I think that's 
that's where the change might come. Um, you know, sort of that it will sharpen uh, European opinion. As it sharpens European opinion, you know, sort of that might have an effect on the United States. Um, it will reinforce, you know, sort of what are already, I think, fairly solid commitments in Europe to support yeah, Ukraine. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's interesting that you, you say that uh, uh, Navalny's wife, Yulia, is on her way to the Munich Security Conference because that is, you know, sort of one of the places where the great good meet to discuss yeah. these issues. And, um, and that's, you know, sort of where, um, where his death can have a, an influence on, on, on public debate. Uh, Kamala Harris, who, as you know, is also the US VP, is also in Munich, said, we've all just received reports that Alexei Navalny has died in Russia. Terrible news. We are working to confirm it. Uh, if confirmed, this will be a further sign of Putin's brutality. Whatever story they tell us, let us be clear. Russia is responsible and we will have more to say about this uh, later. Thanks indeed, Neil Robinson in the University of Limerick. John, you, you also, you, you, the people who are protesting like yourself, the 50 or so every single day, it'll be the second anniversary, sadly, uh, tomorrow week outside the Russian oh, embassy yeah. in Dublin. Um, you've, you compiled a book and that was part of the event last night in Hodges Figures in Dublin. Yeah, we... we after about six months uh, on the protest, the the idea was floated. Wouldn't it be wouldn't it be interesting if people mm-hmm. put down on paper their thoughts and motivations as to why they were protesting? So uh, it, the the idea grew, and we actually got a book published yeah. called "We Stand with Ukraine: An Anthology of Poetry, Prose, and Protest." That's a very good book. Pub- published and launched yeah. by Mercia Press, and. Uh, it's sold oh, a couple of thousand now, I think, at this stage, and all the royalties yeah. go to Ukrainian Action, which is a, a registered NGO in Ireland. Okay. So uh, the last night was, uh, again, another readings from the book with invited speakers like the, the uh, Ukrainian ambassador and that, okay. and we had some mu- music and song from Ukrainian musicians and singers. Well, maybe, maybe that's a suggestion to people around. The book is available... Uh, because it's published by Mercia Press in in most bookshops, isn't it, John? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It, it is. It is. Oh, yeah. Give us a name. Give us a name of it again. I want people to want it. Who we 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 stand with Ukraine. Okay. An anthology of poetry, prose, and protest. Well, could I just mention two practical things that people yeah, could course, do in the next yeah, week yeah. or so? On Friday next week, the twenty third, at three p.m. outside the Russian embassy on Orwell Road. We'll have a special event okay. to commemorate the second uh, anniversary of the invasion. And then on the Saturday, the 24th, which is the actual second anniversary date, there'll be a meeting called by Ukrainian Action mm-hmm. at 11 o'clock at the GPO. Okay. And everybody is welcome to both of those events. And have, John, have, have you any facilities up there, given you've been there every single day? No, we don't. Well, well, we don't. We don't get invited into the bathroom in the, that, in the Russian that. embassy for obvious reasons. But we, 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 we do have we do have arrangements. All right. Yeah, okay. We, well that, done. That, well that done. Okay, yeah. that's John Farley, and uh, as today, as in every day, he'll be outside the Russian embassy with a group of 50, at least 50 stalwarts. They're always looking for supporters on Orwell Road in Ratgard, in beautiful, beautiful location, uh, fantastic embassy, and around the back of us here uh, on Aylesbury Road is the ambassador's residence, believe it or not. Yeah. Again, uh, he, he sweeps out of there every day with his security escort in his, in his sleek Mercedes with his Russian flag proudly flying 
dying. It's it's doused in blood at this stage, uh, and including the blood of Alexei Navalny. John Farley, Goodamila Margaret and Neil Robinson. Joe with RT.ie 51551. Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. The end of yesterday's programme, a fascinating call from Joseph, 80 years of age, you might have heard him, and he had what he described as a, a, a clawed hand, basically his fingers, and it's happened to him twice in two operations, but his fingers basically recede back into his palm. And it becomes very awkward. It begins with your your uh, index finger. It's known, among other things, as a Viking finger because apparently it's peculiar, though I don't know, reading about it last night, it was uh, confined to, but it's uh, very prominent in, in northern European uh, uh, countries and it's called Dupretrans. Uh, syndrome as well, and the reason the reason is known as that is that that's the French doctor who uh, came across the contracture and named it. Um, Colm, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Joe. How long have you have if you had this? Uh, what's the, what did you describe it as? Ju- Jupiter's. Yeah, Jupiter's yeah. are the the people that call it Viking finger. What do they call it in Ireland? Uh, it's called Jupiter's contracture. Okay. How long? How uh, long? When did you first notice this? 20, 25 years ago. Wow. I, I knew what it was because my dad had had it before me. Uh, my dad was a woodwork teacher down in Limerick. Okay. A very, very good woodwork teacher. When he got it, I'd say in the early 70s, I'm not sure they knew what it was, so he had these two little fingers amputated. So he carry on working as a woodwork teacher. Wow. And it didn't stop him uh, until he retired at 65 and well into his 80s, still mm-hmm. doing his woodwork. Very, uh, very gifted man. And did but he, once, uh, Colm, did he choose to have the fingers amputated or was he, he advised? Well, he, he had, no, well, I, I, well, I can remember off of Joe, uh, yeah. is that uh, but to continue on working with the tools as a woodwork teacher, he had to get these out of the way. Okay. These, these two little fingers, it's two uh, little fingers, one in each hand. But uh, I followed him in the the family tradition of Jupiter's. But having said that, it's it's a very random thing because I have two brothers. My younger brother had it it once, had one operation, never came back. My older brother never had it. I've had five operations on my right hand so far, and Mm. it's still claw. And the left one is not an awful lot better. And what, uh, Colm... One, and I asked this yesterday, and there seemed to be uh, the 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 main problem is the awkwardness of it. Yes, not the pain yes, of awkward. it. Not the pain. It can be pain. It can be sore, particularly cold weather. It's okay. the awkwardness of it. Uh, I had to give up uh, golf. I couldn't hold the club anymore. A promising golfing career cut short at the age of sixty. Uh, no, and uh, uh, my handwriting has gone to hell. I can't even read it okay. myself sometimes. And uh, I break things. I drop a lot of things because okay. it's just uh, you're you're working on half power in your hands. And can you get driving, Colm? I'm not driving at the moment, Daniel, because there's another medical condition. But uh, oh, okay. I never had a, never had a problem driving oh, anyway. Okay. Uh, manual or automatic was never a problem. Uh, it's debilitating. Yeah. Is the what it is. I mean, uh, if I look at the back of my right hand now. Uh, the thumb is okay. The index and the middle finger are fairly okay, but okay. I can only see I can only see the first half of the other two. They're completely bent over at 90, 90 degree angle. 
Okay. And they've, a... they've all been, sorry, they've all been operated on skin grafts, everything, yeah. and it still comes back. I've had five operations in about 12 years. I think the first one was 2009. last one was 2021. Wow. And uh, it's, it's as bad as it ever was. It's, it's a particularly vicious form of it. Uh, my left hand, uh, so right, it's almost at a right angle, 90 degrees. The little finger is completely folded down. Yeah. And I actually suggest, suggested to my consultant that he could remove that. Okay. He said no because it might affect three reasonably good ones, reasonably good, that I have in my left hand. So you asked your consultant, should it be amputated? Yeah, and he said no, because he's afraid that by doing so, it might just uh, have a knock-on effect on the other three okay. reasonably good ones in my left hand. So I learned to live with it. It's awkward. It is very awkward. And what about, for example, hobby, sport? Well, I had to give up playing golf, as I said. Uh, okay. I used to my golf because I couldn't hold a club anymore. Yeah. Uh, hobbies are okay. Still love the garden. Most of the stuff in the garden. Okay, um, well I, done. I used to do a, a lot of DIY, but I can't do it anymore really because I couldn't hold a paintbrush or a paintbrush or anything okay. like that. And Colin, uh, your friends, what, when they see it, what do they think it is, if anything? Well, a lot, a lot of people who see it first think it's arthritis. Okay. Yeah, but when I explain what it is, oh, mm. I know somebody else, or I know somebody else who has that. You know, it's, it's more common than you would think, uh, particularly, as I said, as you said, in the Scandinavian countries. Yeah. It's called the Viking disease because probably wrongly, it was named after the Vikings because of their holding the oars ah. of, 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 of the longboats. That's where it's supposed to oh, okay. the Vikings okay. come from. I'm not sure whether that's correct or not, but yeah. uh, that's sort of the genesis of it is anyway. And it so sounds, it's a, yeah. Go on, yeah. It sounds like you could write a book about it, Colin. <laughs> well, I've had it long enough. Yeah. I, yeah, I first noticed it in my late 30s, early 40s, and I knew immediately what it was, because it manifests itself by uh, a hard pad just below the base of the finger, yeah. usually the index finger, and that eventually uh, hardens and contracts the tendons, yeah. so tendons have to be cut to be released to straighten the fingers. But uh, it's, it's always come back at me again. And um, so, do the operations work, or is there only a, is they it only they work up to up to a point, Joe. Yeah. They work yeah. up to a point, but they eventually, in my case, have always come back. And you, I go for hand therapy after each operation, and you were in splints for a while. But as soon as you take them off, they just begin to bend back again. Okay. And Colm, um you say it's hereditary, but again, it's randomly hereditary. Not everyone. It's randomly hereditary, yeah. And it seems to be particularly male. Uh, I think my sister might have a small brush with it. But okay. the only female the only female that I know who definitely had it was Margaret Thatcher. Oh, did she have it? Yeah, I didn't know that. She had it, yeah. It's, yeah. it's predominantly male disease, predominantly Scandinavian. But whether it's Viking blood in me or not, I don't know. But it's a, okay, say, it's s- uh, say, say what is column. Tony Bourne. Tony, okay. good afternoon. Good afternoon, Joe. How are you? Good. Tell us, go, go, go back to Canada for a second. Tell us what happened there. You yeah. moved there in 89. 89, yeah. I came back home about 10, 12 years ago to come back to Ireland and uh, I went to my doctor and I was already on the list over there and um, for this, uh, it was called Jupitron's Contracture and yeah, okay. um, my doctor here said, it'll probably be more than two years of a wait for that, she said. Okay, yeah, good. And then shortly after that, I got an email from the doctor, the surgeon's uh, secretary, saying they had a, a cancellation and an opening, if I was interested. 
back in which back, was a couple back of in Canada. Down the road. Okay, yeah. back in Canada. Okay, yeah. So I I went back to Canada and they said he'd he'd do my left hand then the following year, so I stayed on again. <laughs> so there was no no allowing me to come home. So and, yeah, um, so um, that was the uh, yeah. And what did he do in Canada? What did the operation consist of? Well, they they sliced and diced the palm of the hand and and had to release all the tendons and uh, uh, my fingers are, are relatively straight now. At the time, uh, I would have to wedge it open to put a golf club in it, but I never, the golf club never left me hand. Okay. <laughs> it was a good grip on it. Um, but yeah, when people shaking my hand, they'd look at me weird. They thought I was playing a fool or something because mm-hmm. my finger, my little finger was bent up to the palm of the hand. So when they were grabbing your hand to shake it, they pulled their hand away. They thought it was a, a prank going on. But that that also, Tony, the fact that you there they did the operation in Canada where you were living, but they called you back because yep. they were doing a few months rather than a few years. Yes, that means it's it's an issue in Canada as well. Oh yeah, but there's three friends of mine over there had it all all had it done, and they were from Scotland. And another rumor we heard was it's it's very prevalent with redheads and uh, descendants okay. of the Vikings, of course. Um, uh, one guy said his doctor says you're drinking too many pints. So I don't know whether that was true or not. But I've never heard of that. Ever. Yeah, but uh, I used to try, in the beginning, you'd, you'd go to pick up a pint glass or, or a cup, yeah. and your little finger was bent, and I'd keep pushing it away. It got really frustrating, you know? Yeah. So I had uh, to change hands. Okay, and how are you now? Grand, it's, uh, it's, it's just a big scar up on both hands, and it's, the fingers are 90% straight. And apparently, uh, our own Samuel Beckett, so to speak, uh, he suffered yeah. from it. And I heard, um, apparently, yeah. yeah, I heard. Funnily enough, apparently it's evident in all his portraits. And uh, coincidentally, Killian Murphy was on Desert Island Disc this morning on BBC Radio Four, and oh, yeah. um, he was brilliant as usual. But Beatles, <laughs> you too. Lisa on a brilliant show. But he mentioned, you know, the way on Desert Island Discs, you you. Um, you're, you're given, it's, it's an old trope, you're given shit, the works of Shakespeare, the Bible, and you pick a book yourself. And he picked, he picked um, a Samuel Beckett book, Samuel Beckett, the, the, the complete works of Samuel Beckett. And he said, one of the reasons I picked it was um, the portrait on, there's a portrait on the cover of the collection uh, of Samuel Beckett. And um, obviously, as we're now hearing, uh, it's noticeable, uh, the Viking finger, Samuel Beckett's Viking finger is noticeable on all his portraits. So it's it's um, I would just wonder is it is it more common in Ireland than well the, I've heard it called I've never heard it called the Viking finger even in okay. Canada they call it Viking claw because yeah. the hand turns to a claw yeah 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 which is why all the fingers start to point in towards you which is how Joseph but, descri- uh, it's not described yes. no one in my family has it it's like nobody yeah so. but li- stay listening to Elizabeth Elizabeth good afternoon. Hello, Joe. Your late husband had Viking finger. He did, yeah, our Dupatons contractor, Dupatons, we yeah. always knew it. Yeah, his father had it before him, his father's brother, uh, the sons of that brother, and um, my own son, uh, when I was asking him, you know, like, he, did, he knew his cousins and that had it. He said, oh, yeah, look at my hand. And I was quite shocked. Mm-hmm. Um, he's and he's in his 40s. And my daughter, who is also that age, she had a slight touch of it that the 
sometimes the palm of the hand gets hard lumps in it before it starts and then the little finger goes in first and then all the other and she had that but it never materialised you know she hasn't Mm -hmm. had any problem with it and she did a project for the um, young scientists one okay. year on, on us in, in the RDS or going back a long time since she was at school. And did she discover, as obviously it's a, it's a fascinating given that it was so close to your family, it's fascinating. Well, it, it, it seems to run, yeah, on his family, um, you know, a lot of the men have it. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of shocked when I found that my older son had it, the second one hasn't, well, okay. he's younger, it doesn't seem to manifest until you know you're a little bit older but my husband had successful operations where they were able to uh, you know mm. uncoil the fingers but I remember that the little finger uh, was straight upwards he, he, he couldn't bend it at all and it was just okay. and couldn't use it and he found it hard to grip he used to be very good at doing anything you know house anything that needed to be done he could turn his hand to it couldn't grip, grip screwdrivers yeah, or anything yeah, anymore. Yeah. Very frustrating. And just, and just both hands. Yeah, yeah, and just to explain it to again, listeners on radio to get a get a a, a picture of it. it people with uh, Viking finger, Dupretin's contractor, you cannot put your hands flat on a table. It's as simple as that. No, no, it's they curl all the fingers are drawn into yeah. the palm. You could not put your hands flat on a table. Okay. Mm. Now, is there any given that? Families and Colm can come in here as well. Given that families are aware that it is hereditary, seems through the male line, is there anything you can do, Elizabeth or Colm? I'll go to Colm first. Colm, is there well, anything you can do to prevent it? No, no. I have three sons. The youngest is 38. Uh, he's a bricklayer, so obviously his hands are important to him, and he's concerned that he might follow yeah. down the line. But none of the three of them, from 38 to 43, have experienced anything yet and I asked okay. my consultant about it the last time yeah. but my sons were they likely to get it and he asked how old they were and he said they're unlikely at this stage okay. the youngest is 38 so and, and in, was, that it, was, was that a relief to you Colin? Oh well to them more than to me yeah. uh, it was of course yeah because it reminds me it's okay. you know yeah. yeah John Walls John good afternoon how are you Joe? Um, Good to talk to you again, Joe. Yeah, you, you, do you have it, John? I've had it repaired, Joe, uh, twice. Okay. And first time was was a great success, except that a nerve had come to the surface where the incision was made, and 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 I couldn't I couldn't live with it. So I went back to the same lady in Tala Hospital, and she uh, she carried out a skin graft. So she took a piece out of my arm, and she she dropped it onto my finger, just the size of a stamp. So. Yeah, it's uh, it seems to be successful. Um, it's I believe named after Lord Nelson's surgeon, Doctor Dupatau. Okay. okay, I think he he put his name on it. So uh, yeah, um, a lot of people have the symptoms, Joe, of not being able to put their hand in their pocket, but they don't have the condition. You can't put your hand <laughs> in your pocket, Joe, or, or play pool. You got me there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you have a sense if of humor. If you wear a pair of jeans, Joe, you won't get your hand into your pocket, pocket to get yeah. the fiver out. But yeah. But, uh, yeah, what, 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 what was, it, what was your line again? A lot of people have the condition <laughs> but don't have the symptoms. I know what you mean. I'm yeah. glad you have a sense of I'm glad that yeah, gag yeah. was coming from you rather than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, were, it's, it's, it's debilitating, Joe. You know, especially uh, it was in my right hand, but I'm a kid, though. But, you know, it helped. It mm-hmm. does affect your driving. You're driving yeah. with the ball of your hand. You can't clasp the wheel. And uh, no, it's it's. 
very annoying, Joe. But um, it's a, it's a condition where the the tissue underneath the fascia of your hand goes like chewing gum. They don't actually cut the tendons to release it. Okay. They just remove the they remove the chewing gum. Okay. But uh, you, you don't cut the tendon, no, because if you, if you cut the tendon, it doesn't function properly thereafter. No, no, it's, it's quite common and it's it's repairable, yeah. Samuel Beckett, going back to the, 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 the Colin mentioned people who suffered, Margaret Thatcher, but Samuel Beckett. Uh, Samuel Beckett first uh, noticed um, in 19, 1964 that he might have this. He, he first became aware of these stiffening tendons in 1964. By the winter of 79-80, the contractor was beginning to plague him. He used Samuel Beckett used to grip a chestnut in his palm to try and keep his fingers flexible. Does that work, Colm? John? No, I suspect not. No, I don't believe not. it does. No, 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 no. There's, nothing, there's nothing really to do. I've had skin grafts, Joe, on most of my right hand. Colm, most yeah. of the fingers there uh, yeah. on my right hand to, as the last resort, and it hasn't worked. Throughout throughout the 1980s, Beckett, we are told, uh, said his restricted grip made practical tasks increasingly difficult. None of the doctors who Samuel Beckett consulted consulted could help. In 1982, he wrote to Knowlton, who was his biographer, isn't he, saying that the condition reduces hands to claws. And that's exactly what people say. With us back after this break, Joe at RT.ie. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. And we're talking about G. Pretton's contractor, a Viking hand, Viking finger, a clawed hand. Um, basically, if you cannot flatten your hand, um, this is this is the uh, condition that people uh, go through. And uh, Colm, as, as we've been hearing, it seems to be mostly male. As I said earlier, Margaret Thatcher had a Christine Daly. Christine, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Joe. And you, you have it. I have it in both hands. It's called Jupiter's Jupiter. conjecture. And when, when did you first notice, Christine? Um, I'm 56 now, and it started gradually from the age of 49, 50. Okay. Any history of it in the family? Not that I'm aware of. My uh, late father had a condition called trigger finger. Okay. So he was able to move the uh, ring finger out. But unfortunately, mine has slowly... I have the ring finger and the little finger on both hands uh, affected. Ah. I've had one hand, one hand three years ago operated on. And I'm building up the courage to get the second hand, which is the left hand. And why, why, why do you need courage? It's, a, it's very... It's a very painful, ah. it's a very long process. Ah. And it's not 100%. Not everybody gets a straight finger back. But at the moment, uh, the left hand, uh, the ring finger and the little finger are... It looks like I'm holding a gun all the time because I only have three fingers. And is it painful? It can be in cold weather now. I've noticed with cold weather, it can. And of course, then you're more prone to arthritis and things like that. But the wedding band is gone. The engagement ring is gone. So. Uh, and you know when people reach out to shake your hand, Christine? Yes, it's a funny story. Uh, I uh, would often look at Bill Niley. Yeah, the actor, was, yeah. He, yeah, when he went to shake people's hands, uh, 
it was told that he was given a, a dirty handshake because he has it in both ah, hands. Yes. <laughs> and he never had it operated on. And if you ever yeah. notice him, especially in Love, actually, when he's yeah. up doing the movie, you can oh, see him yeah. just doing the three fingers. It's like you're the Pope, people say. <laughs> you're just giving the three fingers. So when people go to shake my hand, I say, I, I prefer not to because you think I'm giving you a dirty handshake. <laughs> and I mentioned earlier, Christine, that Samuel Beckett used to roll a chestnut in his hand to try and regain flexibility. But, that, but yeah. No, there's nothing, there's nothing you can really do because it's the whole, if you can think of it from your ring finger down, it's like somebody slowly but surely tightening the tendon and yeah. just bringing, bringing it down to your, to your, to your hand. Okay, is Kira there? Kira, are you there? Okay, um, um, you're 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 going to. Will will you get the surgery done on the left hand? Given that it's very painful, the su- I presume I the surgery and the recovery is painful. It is, and it's a very long process. You think, oh, six weeks later, I'll be out of surgery and I'll be back, but it was a year long of sur- of uh, physio. Wow. And, and sleeping with them, um, you have to, at night time, your hand naturally uh, closes up and, when you're sleeping. Mm-hmm. So you have to uh, sleep with a splint for at least ah. nine, ten months. No, I'm sure the people are different. That, yeah. that was my story. Okay, so stay, it's the cause of, um, because, yeah. Stay with us, Christine. Another, are you aware of many women who have it, Christine, from no, going, going no, to the clinic not, or whatever? Actually. Okay, well, let's no, l- well, listen. No. To, here's here's your uh, sister, Kira, not your sister. Your sister in <laughs> in, in in challenge. A sister, a Kira. Good afternoon. Hi, how are you? Well, how are you? You you have it. Yes. Um. So I just I heard you talking on the radio. I just turned it off there, and um, I it came through my grandmother. She mm-hmm. was a seamstress, so they always put it down to the fact that ah. she had the needle and that. So they thought that it was, they didn't realise what it was. They thought it was from that. Right. So it's come down through that side of the family. It came to her, um, my dad, and mm-hmm. then myself have it, has it now. So that's just a point of interest. Yeah, and how, well, how are you? How is it? And I'm, I'm still okay. I'm, not, I'm at the stage where I'm getting a lot of the little... Um, nodules on my hand. My fingers okay. are starting to 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 go in, but they haven't they haven't gone as far as like your other callers. I was at a with consultant last year, and he said it, it, they have to it has to be operated on at a particular time, and it's not not there yet. So he said, come back to me next year, and I'll sharpen up my knives. So. God, that's. <laughs> um. I don't know, Christine. Do you want to talk to Kira about that operation? No, well, no. I mean, everybody else has had a yeah. different experience, so okay. I wouldn't. I would. Yes. Okay. Uh, go for it. it it's diff- the, the outcome is different for everybody, um, but because I have it in both hands, I'm just kind of going, "Oh my God, here I go again." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every everyone seems to be very stoic about it, and. I'm not it's saying just one of those things. Yeah. You just have to get on with it, mm. you know. But there's no cure. No cure. No nothing. And there's no and prevention. Actually, no prevention. No. I was listening to Kira saying there. You start off with a little nodule. You mm. could have those for four, five, six years, and she's right. The consultant won't touch it until it's at a certain stage. Okay. Because if they do, they're not guaranteed that it won't grow back or it won't come back. They're like little growths. Mm. Okay. 
And Kira, are you worried about the future? Are no, you, is, no. is there a support group? Is there a Facebook group, Christine? Kira, Colin, Gosh, Colin. No, 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 Joe. It's just life. Life. Okay. Okay. You okay. know, there's okay. a lot. There's a lot of people out there yeah. with a lot more things. Yeah. Here, you here. know. On the, on the day that's in it, but um, to hear more killings both in Gaza and yeah. in uh, Russia and Ukraine. Uh, Kira, thanks indeed. And Christine Daly, good meal Mahogad. I'll go to Barry in the Netherlands and Ray after this break. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Joe Duffy. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. And Joe at rt.e. Barry is in the Netherlands. Barry, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Joe. You have the condition, and your father had the condition. Yeah, I do, and he did, and he... he had the operation to cut open his palm to release his fingers. Okay. And uh, when he went to the hospital for the operation, he contracted MRSA. Oh, God. Yeah. So, uh, but, um, yeah, uh, which uh, my uh, my two fingers, which my little finger and my ring finger, they're, they're gone in now as well. And, uh, yeah, big lumps in the middle of the palm as everybody else that you've been talking yeah. to will have explained. Yeah. And yeah, well, obviously your father had it then hospital and then MRC. But the, the 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 people who contacted us yesterday and today seem to be very stoic about it. You hear them there, this is life. It's awkward. It can be painful, especially in cold weather. If you have the operation, yeah. obviously there's a recovery period. How are you feeling about the prospect? Well, um, I'm kind of fed up with it now because um, yeah. I'm uh, I'm also a musician and ah. I can't I can't play because it's on my left hand and um, yeah. um, so I can't play. Well, I try to play, but um, I'm not Django Reinhardt, so um, I uh, um, I try to play, but uh, no, it's nigh on impossible. So uh, oh, I'm sorry yeah. to hear that, Barry. Yeah, no, but you just um, um, you get on with it. Um, uh, as you said earlier, there are worse things happening in the world. Yeah, so. yeah, okay, okay. And it, um, it's a common. Uh, sorry, is is it is it uh, is, is it known about in the Netherlands, Barry? In other words, there are are there experts and consultants who deal specifically with Dupratens? Well, um, they do know about it because I've been to see my doctor, and okay. she said, "Well, you're going to have to wait until." Um, until they get so bad that all your fingers go in. Now, only two of mine have gone in, so... Um, uh, but um, they, they do know about it, yeah, because it's... Um, you know, uh, it's a... It's come from the Vikings. You know, we, yeah. we have to blame them for everything, you know. So, uh, um, yeah. So, uh, no, they're, they're, they are aware of it, but um, they say they're not going to do anything until, okay. it, you know... The other two fingers start, yeah. you know. But as you say, so, you're you're a musician, so that's hit you hard. Yeah, um, yeah, it does um, annoy me yeah. um, when I try. To, I, I I still try to play, but um, okay. no, um, it's not it's not possible anymore. Um, okay. No, I don't like to make a fool of myself. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, did Did your father recover? Hopefully, from the MRSA. Uh, he did, um, yeah, 
he was he was a uh, he was a taxi driver, and after he had the operation and the MRSA, he did recover. Yeah. Okay. But, um, all right, Barry. Stay, 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 stay well, and say I know it's a very if your if your your profession, your career, your skill is directly affected. It's very, very uh, upsetting and demoralising. But Barry, thanks, yeah. thanks indeed. Let me go to Barry's in Netherlands. Right. Ray Morphy. Ray, good afternoon. Hi, Joe. How are you doing? Um, you say you had the same affliction when you were younger. Yeah, my doctor said it was unusual from my age at the time. Um, I was, I was what twenty four, twenty. Could have been 28, 30, you know, and uh, mm. I went to the doctor and he had it. So he wasn't going to do anything with me because he couldn't do anything about me either. Oh, the doctor had it? So he, yeah. Yeah, okay. And it's only when I had a little accident uh, when I was teaching, playing football, um, I hurt one finger. Not, okay. You know, one particular finger. And uh, I went to the Mead Hospital and a nurse saw it. And she said, no, no, my, my hand was totally closed at this stage, probably. Mm-hmm. Well, near, nearly closed anyway. And she said, there's a man here who could do that for you. And he was a Dr. Pegum in the Mead Hospital. Okay. And um, Dr. P- P- Dr. Pegum. Pegum, P-E-G-U-M. Sounds okay. Turkish or something, you know. Okay. And um, I went to see him and he said, come back in a year if you want to do it, which I did. Mm-hmm. And I had no problems whatsoever, unlike the people that talked talk to today. And my my hand now is as flat as a pancake. And um, I was just, I was just, Thinking about it, when I looked at my hand, I can still see the scar, a big zigzag going up my palm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember taking a photocopy of it. I still have it somewhere. <laughs> so I had no problems whatsoever. So, and did the operation take place? Now, the Mead Hospital is still a medical facility, but it doesn't, it's not a hospital as such anymore. Um, <laughs> did, the operation was done in the Mead Hospital? That's right, yeah. yeah. In the early 80s? In the, in the early 80s, that's okay. right. And it completely it was completely successful. Completely, yeah. Uh, my only problems along the way. I remember doing karate and I couldn't do press ups flat on my hands. I had to mm-hmm. do them on my fists, things like that. But it, it never really bothered me as much. No pain, no after effects. Flat as a pancake. Everything was cool. Okay. And the Margaret Thatcher, of course, thing. Um, oh, tell us about that, yeah. Yeah, well, that was a funny. I mean, uh, I know a friend of Maggie Thatcher's, but I, I saw I saw the article in the paper, mm-hmm. and it conflicted. It conflicted what I went through. So I just wrote a letter for the crack to Downing Street, and I got a letter back. And, um, and what did you say in your letter? Well, I explained that what was in the article was kind of wrong in a way about the outcome, mm-hmm. uh, mainly the outcome. I felt. No, of course, maybe she suffered after it. I don't know. I, th- I thought everybody was fine after an operation, you know. And I'm surprised to hear all those, um, your interviewees there complaining about pain and everything. I, just, yeah. I never had any of that, you know. Yeah. Well, you, seem to be, you seem to be the lucky one, the odd one out. The, yeah, um, I didn't think, I, you know, I, yeah, I, I, I was lucky, yeah, fine. Yeah. Okay, but right. you're... You can, as a fellow, you can put your, you lay your hands flat now, no problem. I can lay my hand. Oh, it's only one hand. Okay. And the okay. reason, the reason for that, yeah, was that I, I worked as a student in a, a paint factory in Montrose, and I was, um, I was put in the tinner shed, which meant that I was doling tinners into vats with a jug, and I felt that clutching the jug, I was there for about seven months, clutching the jug made my tendon cave in a bit. That's that's what I put it down to, really. Okay. So, By the way, were you pouring white spirits in? Had your mask on? Not at all. 
White spirits. That was the least of it. There was toluene, acetone. Oh, good luck. Where was I'm still breathing. Where was the paint factory? In behind the Montrose Hotel. It was called Synthesis Limited. And it made paint for roadline paint. You know, the, the oh, yellow yes, and yes, yes. White, white paint on the road. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that's syrupy. That's thick. Yeah, fair play to you, Ray. Fair play to you. Yeah. Okay, okay. So your, hand, right. your handiwork is on all the roads around Ireland. Well done, Ray Morphy. Dick, exactly. Dick to finish. Dick, good afternoon. Hi there. How are you, Joe? What happened? You have the condition. You have the, the yes. condition. And you, you, you got into trouble where? <laughs> Marie and I were, my wife and I were on a holiday in the Caribbean. And we were riding into Miami Airport. And as you described, the the... the, the trying to put your hand flat on the table. The immigration staff had a, a detector of some sort to pick up your um, your, your, to- your fingerprints. And okay. of course, I couldn't, put, I, couldn't ah. put my hand, I couldn't put my hand flat down, so Marie decided she'd help, it, help me by, by compressing my hand. Yes. And, and the, the, the officer says, Don't do that, ma'am! <laughs> shouted at her. <laughs> so, having got over the shock of that, we, we, we discovered the, the best method to do it was to slip my hand out to the edge of the of the plate, okay. and, and then and then they picked up my. So, um, I, my wife was frightened, but uh, and the the immigration officer was alarmed. But we we got out of there eventually. Anyway. Oh, you managed! <laughs> oh God, I just wonder what would happen if you were una- unable because of the the position of the the compressed hand. To actually give um, your you fingerprints, you got to. And how else? What about, what about uh, sport, music, any other way it affects you? Well, I, I I'm just in from the garden, having tipped a few hedges, and, and I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. But the if I'd love to mess with the with the, with the keyboard, okay. It, it's a it's a one. It's a, it's a two finger job at this stage. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, but that's otherwise otherwise life is fine. There's okay. No, it, it, good. It's good yeah. way to finish. Good to meet you, Mark Dick, uh, on Sound Mark McGrath. Slant, slant. Broadcast coordinator Shane Galvin, producer Siobhan Hogan, series producer Annette Egan, and Catherine Thomas is next. 0818-715-815 stays open until 3.15pm or email joe at rte.ie 